Chilling, man. We're back at it again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we're dive right in, huh? Oh, that's a dope hat. Oh, good looking out. Hey, that was my one of my old boss's hats. Oh, shit. Well, we're going to dive straight into it. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. So good shit for coming on to the podcast. I very much so appreciate it. Like I said, we're going to dive into financial strategies to begin with. Okay. We're going to give this a second go around. <laughs> for those listening that don't know, what is a financial strategist? Okay, so um, a financial strategist basically is um, we're like the GPS for somebody. Like, let's say they say, "Oh, in X amount of years, or when I retire, or I have these certain kind of financial goals, I want to be here." And we're kind of like the roadmap that will kind of take them there, show them, show them the way, not just um, what the end goal is, but you know what steps they have to take along the way to kind of reach that goal. So, mm. yeah, just helping people kind of plan. Um, other people say you pretty much optimize assets and kind of do some tax minimalization along the way. Yeah. Basically pretty much help people's investments perform in maximum fashion, help people have a lower tax bracket when they get older, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's, it's like financial education. You're trying to really very much so educate people in the financial sector because a lot of us don't know shit when it comes to this sector. Yeah, yeah no, way more than, than I realized. Yeah, financial education in this country is, is damn near non-existent. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like a, a lot of people think what they know is education, but now it's kind of just what, what we've been told to kind of just kind of lean on. And then we haven't really like delved into, looked anywhere else besides what we've been told. You know? Cause what would be the normal rhythm as like the average American would know financially? Like what would be the, what's the major mistakes that you see that the average human being or average American is when it comes to financial? Okay. So like, um, kind of going like tears. It's like first you, you just get into the habit of saving. That's like step number one. Saving, you go to a bank, you get like a savings account, you put money away, super basic, right? Yeah. And then um, as it gets on, then you start, you know, investing your money, whether it be like your company-sponsored plans like 401ks, people get like Roths or like the stocks or all these different kind of avenues. People start putting money into that. Um, and those are also usually through banks. And then when it gets to like higher levels, when it gets to like maybe higher upper middle class or people like the wealthier people that start using like um, other tactics that aren't so common. Um, it's like leveraging money and like mm. um, pretty much, yeah, finding out ways to, to pay the least amount of tax or, you yeah, know, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, just loophole. People call them loopholes, but really they're in the tax code. So it's just like, it's hitting it's just, you right in the face. Nobody's looking for them. Yeah, no, straight up. Yeah. So pretty much stuff like that. And I feel like most people either stop at the savings part or they stop right where like whether whatever the company gives them, they don't really look into it. They just know money's being put away and they're expecting some money to come back to them when they get older. It's kind of like the basic stuff. And what would you say is the common worst route that people take? Oh man. I don't want to poo-poo on anybody's <laughs> you know, on anybody's like, you know, if they're doing something right now and they might feel offended by But maybe you're helping them. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah shit on, but maybe you're helping them when it comes to the education side. Right. They, most of the time, it's just misinformed. Yeah. On, on the educated, so it's not really their fault to begin with. But certain things like um, when it comes to people's debts, um, people look at debt really negatively. Yeah. And it all depends what kind of debt it is. If it's something that's like a liability, if it's an asset, um, the interest that's on the debt, um, stuff like that. Because some people pay off their debts right away, and that money could have been used to other, other places into investments that will help that money grow so you can pay off that debt and have more left over. So stuff like that, um, the debt stuff, um, just sticking with savings in a bank because 
uh, savings accounts give you damn near nothing. Um, just in respect to inflation, inflation now is like seven, eight, nine percent. Savings account gives you at the most like half a percent. Holy so days. So you're yeah, so you're losing money every year. It's just sitting in there. Um, yeah, you're just losing money that way. It's kind of kind of sucks. Because but what is the bank doing happening. with the money? Oh, so that's the funny thing is the bank is out there either one lending your money. Um, they have this thing <laughs> called tier one assets where they keep it in another safe spot from with um, these big financial institutions who's giving them a payout back. So they're investing your money and then lending your money too. So that money that you're getting, what, like 1% uh, back on, they're lending it, flipping it, and they're lending it for, what, like 5 to 10% based on Holy whatever kind of money you're taking out. Yeah. So yeah. Like you said, it's just the American sucker compared to how banks are using your money. And you and this, oh, yeah. is what, and this is what they should be doing with their money. They should be leveraging. And that's where you come in, where you help them leverage their money instead of their money being leveraged by somebody else. Right, right, right. Yeah, pretty much you emphasize, like, being your own bank down there. You know what I mean? Man. Instead of having to go through the middleman, you know what they're doing. You might as well do the same thing with your money. Um, yeah, and not have that liability. Which is an amazing thing in which what you guys are doing. Like I said, it's happening to them already, and they don't even know it. Why not get educated and get a hold of somebody like yourself that can show them, no, here's what you can do with your money that your bank is already doing with your money. Right, exactly. And trust me, it's, it's all it's all on the internet, too. So people oh, don't yeah. have to take my word for it. I can pull up articles and it's all there. So it's just a matter of showing the information, realizing what's going on, and then making the, the right adjustments. Oh, for sure. How yeah. did you get to become a financial manager? Um, well, I did have a lot of career, not a lot of careers. Um, I probably took like a couple careers seriously before this. Um, one being firefighting, yeah. and then leading into real estate was the one before this. Um, so I was doing real estate for about a year. And, um, a friend of my broker, um, happened to work for this company. Um, we ended up going to like an event that they held for like a client appreciation event. Um, I saw like just the, the atmosphere. One was just like the, the vastness of how everything was put together. Yeah. Another part was just the, the type of people, although they're dressed in suits, they're very approachable and very like humble down to earth people, which was like very surprising. We have never been out of that kind of environment before. And I just kind of got really curious and I was just like, well, how you, how does one find this? You know what I mean? And got talk, got connected to the right people. Um, I showed a lot of interest to, for them to take me seriously enough. Um, and then just interned for about six months and, you know, just hit the ground running after that. How was that process? How was the intern process? Cause you say that you've done real estate and firefighting and they have semi intern processes as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how yeah. was yours? How was that compared to the other two? So for firefighting, at least for where I was going to try to be stationed at, it was like a year long internship. Holy shit. And that's, un and that's unpaid. Unpaid. That's just, <laughs> yeah, unpaid. Year long, you know what I mean? Um, just showing up and doing the doing the work. And there's no guarantee that after that one year that you're going to guarantee the job. Yeah. You're just, you're, just, you're just upping your chances pretty much. That yeah. you're just, you know, giving yourself a little higher chance to get uh, put on. Mm -hmm. um, with real estate, it was, a, it was definitely a, a learning curve too. Um, kind of get thrown out into the fire, but you're kind of interning, just being being around everybody and just learning the, yeah. how the ins and outs work, stuff like that. This internship, I really got to be way more hands-on. Um, I feel like I was doing doing the job, and it was partly paid as well. So it oh, also shit. was some incentive. Yeah, it also was some incentive to, you know, like pursue it, uh, perfect it, to where once, you, once those reins are taken off, you can just, you know, Go. have at it. Yeah. yeah. And did yeah. you find... 
besides the pay aspect, because obviously that's going to be a huge incentive, did you find uh, just the support and the guidance was better in those in that category over the other two? Oh, yeah. Honestly, this is the first place I've ever felt like I had like a, a true mentor, a true oh, mentorship. Wow. Yeah, not even just from one individual, it's from multiple. It's all the people who are higher up than me. Like I consider a lot of them my mentors. Wow. So, yeah, and they're very approachable. Anytime I, I ask them for stuff, situational stuff, whether it be in life or business, they're very open to, to tell you what they did wrong so you don't make the same mistake. And that's pretty big. Like A lot of people don't go out of their way to tell you what they did wrong so you don't make that same mistake, but they're willing to do that. And um, they're like, what, what took me five years to accomplish should take you now two years because of, I'm, I'm getting all those roadblocks out of the way for you. So that's like really huge, you know? Man, and you get that nowhere there's not nope. a lot of avenues in which people do that. A lot of people like to hold on to their knowledge and think that they give it to you, they're going to lose their position yeah. or they're going to slip. So to be in a position or a space like that and everybody just realizes the better you are, the better we'll all be. Exactly. Man, you don't exactly. get that anywhere else. Yeah, no, no. And then and they're definitely open to hearing other perspectives too because they know themselves that they're not done learning or growing and whatnot too. So you might say something to make them look at something differently. You know, you guys both bounce off of things together. And it's really how everyone kind of grows together. Is that, really is, true. that is valuable. Are, are all places like this, though? Honestly, this is the first place. I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't been out to a lot of other companies. But as far as I know, or at least I've heard, that this is probably the, the only environment where I, could, I feel like I'm going to grow no matter what. You know what I mean? So it starts from the top down. Like oh, this, for sure, for yeah, sure. This whole... By example. Yeah. Yeah, they lead, definitely lead by example and whatever kind of skills they they bring down to their person, it kind of just, you know, exponentially goes down to the next person, yeah. Which is great because when you look at the history, let's take sports, for example, really good sports teams that are good for decades, it's because of the culture that is there. Yeah. So you could say that in, the sen in this sense of this company where it's like the culture for so long has been groomed and taught to go this way and go just like this and then teach the people coming in the same exact ideologies and thought processes. So it seems right. that it's a trickle-down effect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the culture is huge. The culture is very huge. Like you see like successful teams, like you said, like Patriots, the Spurs, like all these dynasties and people that have, they can put anyone into the system and they'll thrive because they've created this culture oh, and they yeah. set a standards um, that, you know, like we this is our standard and either you get in and, or you get out like this is what we expect and they definitely lead by example they're not going to tell you to do anything that they don't do or have already done you yeah. know what i mean and that's huge because i've had people tell me certain things and i'm like you're not even doing that yourself so it's really hard to like follow advice when someone's telling you something that they're not showing you the example oh it's the fucking worst hypocrites yeah. and people that have my my best coaches were always able to show me and the ones i didn't have a lot of respect for they could tell me and they could show me a video but they couldn't do it them th themselves so how can you ask something and not be able to relay that and show it firsthand? Oh, so yeah. you're absolutely yeah, that, right. That's huge, yeah. Yeah. What has been the top takeaway so far? Oh, man. Um, patience. I guess I could say patience. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I, I knew going into this career, well, this is the only, honestly, this is the first career I've gone into where I knew, like, all right, this is what I'm going to be. Like, I knew wow. I'm, I'm, put, I'm digging my feet in. I'm going to be here for a long time, like, a lot of other careers I've, I've been in, I was just like, I, I'm going to try this out. Maybe I'll find my passion along the way, kind of those kind of things. But here I was just like, yeah, I already know I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here for a long time. 
Um, and just developing that patience, knowing that I'm going to be here to develop and, you know, grow and be that person I want to be how many years down the road. Um, yeah, I think patience is a big one. And just being open to uh, checking your pride at the door and just, you know, learning, learning, yeah. learning. Yeah. And that's huge. Like you said, a lot of people have a hard time investing in themselves in the long play because everybody wants the fast. They want the right now. For you yeah. to be able to see a career and go, no, I want to submit myself in here for a long haul, long career at such an early stage. A lot of people don't find or feel this way until their mid thirties or even 40 sometimes. So to be oh, at yeah. the, the age and stage that you're at and feel that way, man, you really have found your niche, like the career in which you want to be in. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, very, very grateful to, you know, be in this position. Oh yeah. No, it's beautiful. What has been the biggest drawback so far? Cause every, everything, of course, even the most, perfect job still ends in job so that's why i always tell people like even oh, yeah. your greatest job still ends in job so there are going to be little drawbacks here and there what is the one that you've encountered so far um well there's multiple so i'm gonna say probably like two one is being like um just ultimately very wholly accountable for yourself um because you're it's not a nine to five no one's telling you what to do no one's giving you a paycheck at a certain time you're literally responsible for, you know, waking up in the morning, getting your stuff done, studying what you need to study, you know, making the right um, contacts, all that kind of stuff. Just being your own boss and being super accountable, that's huge for me, um, which kind of rolls into, like, betting on myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like I betting on myself was, like, I have no one to blame but myself. Once I bet, bet on myself, like I, like, I like having a result be only because of me. Not, like, only because of me in the... For the, the credit, I mean, like, if I were to mess up, I'd rather not blame anybody. I'd rather not it be in anyone else's hand. I'd rather just be, you know, fully on my shoulders. So I think that part I learned the hard way. Um, and then another drawback was just um, my expectations for at least support going into this. Yeah. Um, doing something different than, like, the norm, I guess, or at least where I grew up, the norm. Um, I just expected the people to, you know, have more of my support. Um, but then, you know, it's... You realize a lot of if people don't support you, it's it's not because of you. It's something that's going on with their own lives or anything like that. Or um, yeah, it's kind of stuff like that. I have, I had the expectation that I would get more support up front, but I feel like in this kind of field, or at least something as professional as this, you really have to, to develop yourself and earn that credibility before, especially with money, handling people's money. They're not going to trust anybody. Um, even if you wear a suit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Not to point anybody out specifically, but uh, what support were you lacking from your circle that you didn't get right away that you were shocked that you didn't? Like, specifically, like I said, don't out anybody because we don't want to cross any oh, yeah, family yeah, yeah, feuds. No. But, I uh, it, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be, like, people closer to me, like, friends, family. Because mm. um, I felt like throughout the years, I've always had a good, I've always maintained a good impression, you know, like, very honest, very truthful, got stuff done, intelligent, stuff like that. Um, so I just expected people to, you know, just trust this decision that I'm making for myself and know that it's the right decision. So some people, um, they got it kind of a little shaky, a little, I don't know, some people go ghost when you, you do certain things. And I don't know if it's out of like, some people could be jealous, but I don't want to put down anybody. Some people mm. like, oh, I'm not doing that kind of stuff. Some people can just write it off and since they don't understand it, they think it's not um, I don't say legit. They think it's not um, 
going to be prosperous or it's not going to, you're not going to succeed in it, stuff yeah. like that. So I had that kind of support, like I said, from closer friends and family, which I expected to, to you know, trust me and, you know, um, you know, take me serious as a professional. I didn't get that up front, but later on down the road, yeah, that since, you know, since they see you, you know, you've been in it for a while, they see the, how you've grown as a person. I feel like that's been huge. Yeah. How I've grown as a person, people take me a lot more seriously now. It's always the fear of the unknown when it comes to family and friends. Like you said, they might not be in this space. They might choose a traditional nine to five. Anytime you do entrepreneurship or a form of entrepreneurship where, like you said, your biggest asset is yourself because uh -huh. you have to bank on yourself. You have to get up. You have to make the calls. You have to do all these things. A lot of people don't want that. A lot of people are afraid of that. So when they see you doing it, they always think that there's a catch behind it. When they, especially when they see highly successful people that are exactly. your mentors and leaders, it scares the shit out of people. So yeah. you could see that. And that's why I was so curious about that answer is because that happens pretty much in anybody's story that takes that leap in the, in the unknown. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. I feel like, oh, yeah. I'm not agree. I feel like people either think that um, it's like a one in, once in a million kind of thing. Like only certain people can do it, like reaching the NBA or something Yeah. or that, Maybe they got a handout, or that it's not legitimate. Yeah. But like, oh, he's he's not really doing that well. He it can't be. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So yeah, I've always had a saying. It's 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 yeah. I really listen to it to hear it. But you ain't shit until you're the shit. I've always told people that is the pipe dream of going to the NBA. Nobody believes you until you're about to get drafted. Hey, it froze. Still there. Oh, hey, yeah, it froze a little bit. See if the camera moved. You hear me? A little technical difficulties. Wait for this to get moving. Technical difficulties at the moment, but I'll go into that while he's getting back on it. Uh, I always tell people, you ain't shit until you're the shit. Meaning that nobody believes in you until it's time to believe in you. Until you're already doing it. Until you're there and you're ready to rock. So do not give up just because people are not believing in you. You gotta... Keep going, you gotta keep going. Oh yeah, there we go. You got oh, my bad. Oh, don't man. even trip. I was just talking as we were filling in. But like I was saying, is the saying I always have is you're not shit until you're the shit. Meaning you're nobody believes in your NBA dream until you're getting drafted. Nobody exactly. believes in what you're doing until you're making money already. They always like to jump on at the end product, but they don't want to believe in you in the beginning. That's why it's so important that the people that do believe in you and the people that were there when it was shaky are the people you have to dive the most back into once you've been oh, successful straight up because they've been pouring into you since since day one exactly uh, without, any, without any proof and yeah you got to definitely show up for them yeah yeah so you were talking about how real estate was a job that you did before this not a lot of fun weren't really into it what did real estate lack that pushed you towards becoming a financial strategist um at least for myself I'm a more 
I don't even call it laid back. I'm not a very pushy person. Yeah. Um, that's why in certain certain sales roles, I just didn't do that well because in my it just didn't feel right. Especially if I don't believe 100% behind a product or whatever the heck I'm supposed to be selling. Yeah. It doesn't feel right to push someone into something that I don't think they're going to get the full value out of. Yeah. So, well, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Because in this job that you're doing right now, there is none of that. Oh man, no, I, I have I get I get sleep at night great knowing that I'm doing that. <laughs> great, great. Like yeah, I have no I have no problems. Like um, I, I look forward to annual annual reviews with people, like with clients, and see how their portfolio is doing, and see like what kind of adjustments we can do and stuff like that. Like I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, I feel like in real estate, um, especially with one of these last uh, things I I did before I got out of the, the career, I sold a lady's home and. Um, San Jose, and I was scared to call her six months later to see how she was doing because <laughs> honestly, I was scared of the answer because I didn't feel like I did my job and I feel like she wasn't satisfied with it. Um, and it's really hard to kind of you know do, especially with the house. You're stuck with that that house for another 15, 30 years. Um, yeah, so it's not more than just like a one time decision. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, real estate more pressure to sell. You might accidentally steer somebody into a decision that they might not want to make just at that moment, but the pressure's there on all sides. In this category, it's more, no, I'm trying to educate you and I want to help actually, the money that you have right now, I'm not trying to make any money or take any money from you. The money that you have right now, I want to help make more of it. And then yeah. I'll just get a little bit off of what you've made when it comes to the more aspect. Yeah, so like, yeah, with real estate, like, yeah, I feel like it was all emotional. Like you're you're trying to get off, you're tugging at people's emotions to like get them to do something, and emotions are temporary, right? Yeah. The house is going to be there for a while, so you're you're playing a short game there. And then with finances, it's it's it's, it's majority logic. I show you numbers, it's it's math. I show you numbers, I show you what this can do, I show you what that can do, and numbers speak for themselves. There's no emotion tied into it, unless I say, oh, well, this money can. How do you retire earlier? This money can yeah. help your parents. This money can get your kid a, a good education. That's where the emotion comes in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like sometimes, like how you're saying, helping people build money, some people look at it like, like it's a bad thing. But no, like having more money will have, give you more freedom. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're going to change. Um, you got more freedom to do the stuff that you, you know you really want to do. Which is such a sta sad stigma even to hear that because that's how I know that you're hearing that on the other side is people view money. Everybody wants more money. But they view people that have more money as snobby, yuppie, uh, yeah. greedy, where you're like, no, you yeah. can still, money just makes you more of what you already are. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't change you. It only exposes you. Yeah, man. And that's, that's a valuable nugget working this job is it probably helps you appreciate money more or like appreciate... Oh, oh what money you see you see what how people people's ideologies or what it does to them but if you allows you to appreciate making money but not changing exactly exactly and i don't know i'm i, I love giving like that gives me joy like yeah. I, I don't really like spending stuff on myself like giving gives me joy so if i have the opportunity to give more like it's like you know it's a win-win so like when it's using in that aspect i don't see anything wrong with it yeah i i completely agree yeah. Do you think that you would have found your career if you did not get into real estate? I mean, besides the specifics. So we already know that if you weren't in real estate, you wouldn't have went to that meeting. Right. Besides that one instance, is do you see yourself, would you have 
been able to find this career without that? Um, maybe not. Probably not. Well, I think real estate was that first time I took that chance on myself. Yeah. That was like my first introduction to entrepreneurship, 1099, doing your own kind of thing, independent contractor. Um, that was the first time I really just banked on myself and I never looked back after that. Um, I knew I could bank on myself, but real estate just wasn't that the right field for me. Yeah. But I just had that, I always had that thing of like, I can't sit at a desk. I can't get stuck with like a, a nine to five to where my, my pay is at a set rate and yeah. I can't do much to change about it unless I work harder for a promotion or certain things like that. So like, I just didn't, in my head, I'm like, I have one life. I don't have the time to, to wait for that, that chance. If I would just look for that opportunity to, you know, do kind of myself. Which is special. And I hope people really pay attention to that aspect of it because any job where you work for somebody else, if they're giving you a dollar, no matter how many dollars it is, they want two more or three more back from that one that they give you. So oh. you're putting in extra work. You're stressed out. You're not necessarily every day waking up, making your schedule, making yourself as much money as you possibly can make yourself. It's like you said, there's a set amount. There's a ceiling. And that yeah. is frightening. I'm curious, did that frighten you once that reality hit you that there's a ceiling no matter who you work for? Yeah, because I was always big on like, I had hourly jobs and I would do a lot of work in a short amount of time, but I'm still getting the paid the same amount of work. And I would find like, let's say I, I was really good at something and I finished something early, they would give me more work. <laughs> and so you're not really being rewarded for being either efficient or good at your job. You're just, you're, you're getting more work piled on and you're not getting more money paid for that more work. You just, you know what I mean? I feel like I was getting taken advantage of. And oh, I was sure. like, I know it. Like, yeah, so I'm like, if I could do this job efficiently, I should get paid better. I shouldn't just, now I have more work piled on because I'm a good worker. That means I'm picking up someone else's slack. Yeah. yeah. And you are literally the small percentile of people that feel that and actually do something about it. Because everybody feels that, but a lot of people don't act. And for you to act is such a huge thing that a lot of people need to drink in, family, friends, people listening to this podcast. When you do see that and decide to make the change, it is so hard. There's people in my office all day, every day that are 30, 40, 50, 60 that have a hard time doing what you did. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think the thing that jump-started that was me making that decision for weight loss. Yeah. Um, when I lost a lot of weight, I don't know if a lot of people know. Oh, we're going to dive into that part. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll get into that later. But yeah, losing the weight, that um, seeing that through and just you know counting on myself to just do all that and you know, saying like, all right, forget this. I'm not living that life. That's not me anymore. I'm doing this and just. That was actually don't. a perfect segue because we're literally about to jump into that right oh, now. No, 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 no. That was perfect. Okay. How much, so let's go to that stage of life. First off, how much did you weigh at that time? At my max, I was around, I think I told you. Last time I looked at the scale, it was like 305 or 310 or something Holy like that. But shit. once I, yeah, once I passed that 300 mark, I didn't want to look at the scale anymore. When like, did you stop? <laughs> so, so you saw the 300, you stopped looking. How much further until you decided, I got to start losing some weight? I, I See, I don't know the number, but I would assume I probably gained. No, I mean, time-wise, time-wise. from. Oh, oh, see, that was, damn, that's probably another six months. Holy shit. So like you said... That, I would have thought that, that would have changed that day. Yeah, you but, would think that, right? But, yeah, but I was in football. 
And at the time, like coaches see that number and they're like, oh, you're big body. You're like, oh, they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they looked forward to that. Oh, we got a 300 per. Like they liked it. So I, I wasn't scared away from it when I first saw that number. Because playing football, I think we talked about these, you played offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. How much bigger were you than the next offensive lineman that was the heaviest? Um, there was another offensive lineman who was around 280, 285. Oh, but he, was, he, did, he did wrestling. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was a little more built, more athletic than I was. A different so build. Yeah, it's a, it's a different 285 sit way different than how my 300 sit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I was definitely probably around the top two heaviest. Um, and then, you know, coming in last or second to last when you're doing sprints and stuff, like... It just yeah, it starts weighing in on you. It's kind of embarrassing when I think about it, but... but <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so was this something that started later in the teens, or was it young childhood? When did you start realizing that diet wasn't necessarily correct, and you were gaining weight? Um. Well, I, did, I think last time I told you, like, what that trip, you're talking about that, what made me realize it wasn't working, or what made me switch? Because I think the last time I was telling you about that time I went to. Six Flags, we had that physics day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's yeah. dive into that story. Say, off Let, that story? Yeah, let's dive into that. Okay, so junior end of junior year, um, I was in physics class, so we had a physics day. So for physics day, they take you to a roller coaster place like Six Flags so you can learn kinetic and potential energy, that whole deal. Um, we pretty much went to a roller coaster. I think it was Great America. I told you Six Flags. I'm pretty sure it's Great America because that ride is called Delirium. I never yeah. forget it because it's it's it printed <laughs> in my mind. It printed in my mind forever. I think it was Delirium. It's a line that spins and goes up and down. And we're getting on the ride and they have that thing where the little thing comes over your shoulders yeah. to lock you in. Everyone, then the people come around and check your stuff, make sure it's locked in. And that thing was not locked in. They had little <laughs> red lights coming on behind me. And I remember I was trying to, even before he came up to me, I was trying to push it down, hold my breath in and everything. <laughs> you ready to die for it. To, yeah, he's pushing on me, trying to like lock it in. It didn't lock in. First, I should have just got up and left the first time. Yeah. And um, yeah, it didn't work. The dude uh, told the other guy to shut it off so they can let me out. And then I had to just watch, watch from the sidelines as my friends go up on the ride. And I was like, man, I, it's, it's gone too far. Did you get made fun of at all within that time, the later? I'm sure I did. Maybe not to my face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Not to my face, but I'm pretty sure I did. Someone told somebody, because it's a whole group of people, like at least 30 to 60, like a couple groups of yeah. couple classes. So. And for people that don't know, now you're in insane shape. So how much you weigh now? Man, I'm like 195. Fucking crazy. 315 to 195. And when people would see you, would never think. In their wildest dreams that you'd be in the 300 range at any point in time. So oh, yeah. it shows your hard work, your dedication, banking on yourself. And do those uh, skills and the things that you've learned through that young stage carry over into the career? Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like it's helped me a lot. Um, just when you have those, those times where you really have to bank on yourself and going through the ebbs and flows of just how business works. Yeah. Um, like a business, just like a stock market, it doesn't always just go straight up all the time. There's like ups and downs and like you have to be prepared to like handle those ups and downs so you can, you know, go through the long, go, go through the long run. But like, um, 
yeah, I think it, my mental toughness definitely came in. Um, being open to learning a lot of stuff because for me to, to lose all that weight, I did a whole bunch of research myself, looked at the right things to eat, the right time to eat, how much you're supposed to do cardio before or after you work out, how long you should work. Like I did a whole bunch of research and it's all on there on the internet. I just was so, I guess, obsessed with getting that result that I, I did anything I could to, to get it. That's also why this job fits so well for you because you just said that about your actual career is all the information is on there. You just have to go find it. So the same yeah. way that you were able to tackle your fitness journey, you're also able to tackle this financial strategist journey and then educate people the same exact way. So that's oh, yeah. actually a cool correlation and connection. Yeah, 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 definitely. You hit it right on the nail on the head. Um, yeah, just, I got the same thing with how I got obsessed with fitness. I kind of got obsessed with this and just wanted to progress. As, and seeking progression was just kind of like my thing. Oh, and that's beautiful. I think that that's how it should be is, the passions in which you have and how they line up should all flow in the same direction. And right, you found right. something career-wise that, that lines up with how you are fitness-wise. Right. And it just makes it even better. No, that's that's amazing. The next time that we do an episode, we're going to have you back on the show again. We're going to dive deeper into the weight loss aspect and that whole journey. Okay, but we're cool. going to go into the fun aspect of it. These are the fun right. questions. This one is called Dream Crusher. Okay. A little different this time, though. Oh, okay. Would you rather be an NBA player and get paid $1 per game or start your own financial strategist company, travel around the world, helping people while getting paid handsomely? So like I said, we I asked this question before. It was a little too easy. So I had to make it just yeah. a little harder. So which one out of these two would you pick? Man. Honestly, I'm going to say the second one. I, as much as I love hoop, yeah. I had to dial that back and kind of, even though it's a passion of mine, I had to, you know, let that, you know, go on the back burner a little bit to be successful in what I want to be in. So I can enjoy those things. You yeah. know what I mean? No, yeah. they're beautiful answer. Like I said, I had to make this one harder because the other one was way too easy. So I had to dive deeper, get a, get the emotional heartstrings kind of going. And it's cool because you're putting yourself second and you're in a career in which you put yourself second and put the yeah. person primary to help them out. So that's great that you lean towards that way. And you can tell you're honestly saying this. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And I feel like that answer would have been different maybe a year ago. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I feel like the, the more I go along, I, I realize it's not about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Which is huge. And those are the people that figure that out fast become very successful. Yeah. Everybody that I've ever met that realizes that you're on this earth to help people and not necessarily focus so much on yourself, great things yeah. end up happening. So that's a good mindset to have already. Yeah. Help people, I think, lead by example. Like, be an example for somebody. I feel like, you know what I mean? Just strive for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, another difficult question. And I, like I said, okay. I had to make these adjustments. So these there's three categories. You can go to lunch with one person. You could dunk on one person, and since you played football and you were playing football in high school, you have to go head up with one person. Okay. Andy Frisell, which is your boss, your best friend, and your girlfriend. Andy Frisell is not my boss yet. He's like my mentor. Who I just see well, yeah, let's go in that category. So mentor, which is Andy Frisell, yeah. best friend, girlfriend. You have to go to oh, lunch with wow. one. You have to dunk on one, and you have to go head up with one. Oh, God. 
told you. my girlfriend now, man. <laughs> that was too I nice. Guess for the sake for the sake of this podcast and our relationship, I was kidding. I'll, <laughs> I'll take I'll take her out. I'll take her out to lunch. There we go. Um, and then you said it was my best friend. That yeah. You said? Oh man, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to dunk on him. <laughs> All right, bro. I I, I got I got bragging rights for the rest of the time. I got dunk on him. I go straight up with Andy just because I know he loves the challenge. And then, uh, <laughs> nice way to spin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know he loves the challenge. And I'm pretty sure you know it'll help him respect me a little bit more too. Yeah, I was say, who doesn't want to stick their mentor slash boss just to kind of let them know that you got a little umph to you? So yeah, all right, yeah, you yeah, took that. Are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you handled that one well. Like I said, the first time I asked these questions. A little too easy, so I had to make them just a little bit harder. Oh, no, you did your job, man. Yeah, no, question. you're doing great. So then we're going to childhood idols. Okay. Childhood idol of yours is Will Smith. Mm-hmm. What peak was he at when you looked up to him the most? It might be, I don't know if it was the peak, or it's probably just the timing of where I was. I was a kid watching Fresh Prince. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was huge for me. Like, I loved just... Not like the whole funny part. I just always wanted to be that person that he was. Like yeah. the, the guy who was athletic, who was funny, who was still disciplined enough. People thought he was cool, but um, not too cocky. You know, still like a genuine person. Like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I feel like um, I always wanted to be that kind of person. Especially when I lost a lot of the weight, I wanted to be that person that people don't expect. Like some people see me and they expect maybe a douchebag or yeah, someone yeah. who's you know, obsessed with themselves or stuff like that. But like, I always wanted to prove people wrong and, you know, give them a different outlook on people. No, oh, I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Like I said, well, we'll keep it there. Cause we, Will Smith's been getting enough shit as it is, but we'll keep yeah, it in that. Yeah, I was yeah. curious in that section of it. And then we're approaching this. So we got a minute and a half left. So I want to okay. knock these ones out. What would you say to your 10 year old younger self? If you got to run into them right now, oh, and you're on yourself somewhat what Man, advice would you um, give them? Just to, I think I'd really just like trust your instincts. Yeah. Um, when it comes to you making certain decisions or when something doesn't feel right, just really trust that instinct and don't be so easily influenced by outside environments or pressures and stuff like that. Um, and also just to, I guess, like keep your head down and, and just push through and eventually you'll look up and you're in a whole different spot. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, and just be aware of, of people around you. You know what I mean? Put the right people around you so where you elevate mentally too. You know what I mean? You don't want to be stuck or held down by, you know, bad influences. Oh, I love it. No, that's amazing. So then, like I said, we're getting really close to the end of it. What message you want to give to everybody right now? Message? Oh, man. Um, shoot. Whatever situation you're in, um, this is like from what I've heard from mentors and stuff like that. And it says like your situation doesn't change until you change. Mm. So a lot of people expect things to change around them by other things around them changing, but nothing will change unless you change, whether it be your habits, whether it be how you look at things, your, um, what I would like to say is David, thank you so much for coming on. You did an amazing job. This being the first of interviews it was fantastic it was a good time the uh zoom call ended up finishing so we're at the end of it fantastic job great answers i love how he's choosing his passion he's putting people first and he's making a living off of it 
that is hard for a lot of people. And people listening to this, take this to heart. If you're not in a position where you're doing those things, you need to find it. There is a passion out there for everybody. Now, if you're working a dead-end job or if you're working a job that's not that you don't feel that way, then you're working at the wrong place. And there is no age, there is no stage in which it's too late to find the right one. So if there's anything that you got from this episode, it would be that. Is lean heavier into your passion. Don't just quit right away. That's never the smart idea. Is quitting right away ends up making you broke as a motherfucker. But I think that you should set yourself up to where you're slowly working on something. And then as it starts making money and as you start becoming financially stable to where you can actually leave the job that you don't like, you probably should jump off and dive all the way into your passion. So with that being said, thank you guys very much for listening to this podcast. We'll clean it up as it goes on, but this was that first run, so I appreciate it. We out. Peace.